Welcome to this week's sermon audio from Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Every Sunday, we begin our service with a call to worship. This is a summons to the people of God to focus mind and heart on the worship of God. It's, it's a call to express honor and adoration to our God. And that is what this psalm is. Psalm 100 is essentially a call to worship. And in this psalm, we find two things. First, there is the obligation of worship, and then there is the reason for worship. First, I want us to see the obligation of worship. Once, Jesus was asked this question, which is the great commandment of the law? In other words, what is the most significant, the most important commandment in all of God's law. And this was Jesus' answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The call to worship is not an invitation. It's a commandment. And in this psalm, we find five separate commands about worship. The first one is found in verse 1. Make a joyful noise, noise to the Lord. <clears throat> when we're alone, we certainly can worship in silence. We can pray silently. We can read and meditate the scriptures silently. We can watch a, a video of a, of a worship service or a, a teaching on the Bible silently and still be engaged in worship. But here, we are commanded to express our worship audibly. We are commanded to express our worship with a noise. The command here is about not private worship, but corporate worship. We express our worship for God in this service in our speaking. When we read scripture, when we pray, when we confess our faith together, when the word is preached. And we express our worship to God in our singing. We join our voices together to praise our creator and our savior and our sustainer. And we even worship in the playing of musical instruments. That's worship too. Even the sounding of this bell to start our service is an act of worship. It's calling our attention to the fact it's time to sit down. It's time to meet with God. We are to worship God 
audibly. We are to make a public demonstration of our worship. The second commandment is found in verse 2, and it is this, serve the Lord with gladness. Worship is more than a a once-a-week activity. Worship is more than our private devotions and our participation in a public worship service. It's more than that. And the command here, when the psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness, he is commanding us to devote our entire being to worship. When we obey intentionally the commands of God that we find in Scripture, whether it's on the job or on vacation or in our when we obey those commands intentionally, that is worship. When we serve His church by giving our time and our talents, and yes, even our money, giving money is worship. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, even when our neighbor is unlovable, do you have any of those? I do. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, even when he is undeserving of our love, that is worship. When we conform ourselves to what God has intended for us as his creatures, and we're doing that intentionally to honor him, that is worship. We are to give all of ourselves, all of our activities are to be intended as an act of worship to God. Whatever your job is, do it faithfully. Do it diligently. Do it to honor God. Giving all of ourselves to God. Paul describes it this way in Romans 12.1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We're to give God everything. The third commandment is found in verse 2, and it is this. Come into his presence with singing. We were made to sing. Some of us badly. But we were made to sing. We are hardwired as creatures to sing. I don't know of a culture anywhere in the world that does not have a tradition and a practice of singing. We like to sing. We can sing to God in worship anytime and in any place. You can do it in the shower. You can do it at the kitchen sink while you're washing dishes. You, You can use it in your car as you're driving to and from the grocery store. You can sing to God Anywhere, anytime. But the command here, the command here is about singing together as a congregation, as a people. Sing together. Isn't singing much better when you're singing with somebody? You know, one of the, I, I took Paula, I think it was our first Presbytery meeting. And Presbytery meetings always start with a worship service. Now, there'll be a few women scattered about, but it's primarily a sanctuary filled with men. And if you haven't heard, it blew her away. When we got back in the car, she said, that was the most amazing thing I have ever heard to hear a sanctuary full of men singing praises to God. It it is a moving experience. But 
Congregational singing is a prescribed element of worship. It was a prescribed element of worship for Old Testament saints. They sang when they went to battle. They sang when they went into the temple. They sang everywhere they went. It, also, it is also a prescribed element of worship for the new covenant, for us. We are commanded to sing, sing praises to God. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5, 9. He said, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The fourth commandment is found in verse 4. The psalmist writes, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. While we can approach God, come before his throne of grace anywhere and any time, the command here is primarily about corporate worship. As a matter of fact, almost this entire psalm is about corporate worship. Here, notice what he writes. Enter his gates and his courts. The commandment here is to Israel, come as a people into the house of God. Enter through the gates of the temple. Enter into the courtyards of God's house of worship and worship him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Israel was required to go to the temple for worship during the, fest the various festivals that they had. It was a requirement. Well, does God require the same thing of us? Does God require us to participate in corporate worship? Or is it optional? Well, let me, let me put it this way. If God did not require us to participate in corporate worship, Christ would not have instituted the church. If God did not require us to participate in corporate worship, God would not have given us spiritual gifts individually that are to be used exclusively for ministering to other people. If God did not require us to participate in, in corporate worship, Paul would not have appointed elders to oversee the churches that he established everywhere he went. If God did not require us to participate in corporate worship, we would have to take this verse out of the Bible. Hebrews 10, 25, the writer of Hebrews says this, forsake not. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Yes, corporate worship is required by God of us. It is not an option. The last commandment is found in verse 4, and it is this. Give thanks to him, bless his name. All of these other commandments coming into his courts, singing, making noise... You could do this mindlessly. Have you ever done anything in church mindlessly, not really paying attention to what you were doing? Yeah, yeah you, can, you can fake it and roll with it. And, but here the, the psalmist catches us. He says, give thanks to him. Bless his name. Our worship is supposed to be intentional. It is supposed to be sincere. We are to wor our worship is to be an expression of our thanksgiving to God. And it is also to be a way that we ascribe to God the honor and the glory that he is due. We are to do it from the heart and with our minds. 
Well, that's the obligation of worship. Let's look now at the reason for worship. <clears throat> we are to worship God, first of all, just because of who He is. If He never did anything for us, if He never saved us, if He never forgave us, if He never blessed us, if He never provided for us, He is still worthy of our worship just because of who He is. Our worship is to be based on our knowledge of who God is. We are to come and worship Him because we know that our God is infinite and eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present. He is unchanging, perfect in holiness and righteousness and justice and love. He is beautiful and majestic, glorious beyond imagination. Paul wrote this about the glory of God. He says that he dwells, can you imagine this much glory? He dwells in unapproachable light. Do you remember when Moses <clears throat> was on top of Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God? And Moses made a request. He asked God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God responded to Moses, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, you can't take it. You can't take it. If I let you see the fullness of my glory, if I let you look into my face, you would die. But God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. There's a, a, a cleft, there's a crevice in this rock. I'm going to hide you in, the, in this crevice, and I'm going to pass by. My glory is going to pass by that crevice. And as I'm passing by, I with my hand will cover your eyes so that you don't expire. And at the last second, just as I'm about gone, when all you can see is my back, I'll remove my hand. And that's what God did. And Moses caught just a fleeting glimpse of the back of God. Just a glimpse, just for a split second. When he came down off of the mountain, the Israelites were terrified because Moses' face, because he had actually been in the presence of God and seen his glory, Moses' face was glowing like the sun. A little bit of that rubbed off on him. But we don't get to worship just a glimpse of God's glory. We worship God in the fullness of His glory. We worship God in the fullness of he, who He is, in His majesty, in His glory, in His beauty. Well, not only do we worship God because of who He is, we worship God because of what He has done. In verse 3, the psalmist writes, It is He who made us, and we are His. We are not the incidental outcome of a natural biological function. And neither are we the accidental product of some random evolutionary process. We live and move and have our being because God intentionally made us as we are. Some of us he made a little thinner, some a little wider, some a little smarter, some a little dumber, some with great athletic prowess, some with 
artistic abilities. God made all of us differently. And if you're really highly favored, he made you short and bald. But God intentionally made every one of us exactly as he wanted us. The, the psalmist in Psalm 139.13 says this about the origin of all of us. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God had everything to do with who you are and why you're here. Well, not only did God make us, but he also made us his. He made us his. Because of God's love and the sacrifice of his son, because of his grace and the, and the gift of faith that he has bestowed upon us, we have become a people for his own possession. A people for his own possession. Did you know that you are treasured by God? Treasured. I read a, an account, I don't know if it's true, but supposedly Abraham Lincoln was attending a slave auction. This was before the Civil War. And uh, on the auction block was a, was a young woman up for sale and Abraham Lincoln was looking at her and he could see in her eyes the hatred, just the hatred and anger that she felt for being, about being up there. Well, Abraham Lincoln began to bid on her and the bidding continued and eventually Abraham Lincoln won the bid and the slave owners brought the young woman to him and she looked at him with that same look of anger and hatred that she had when she was on the platform. And Abraham Lincoln looked at her and he said, you are free. She was kind of startled. She said, what do you mean I'm free? He said, you're free. She said, does that mean I can go anywhere I want to go? He said, yes. She said, does that mean I can do anything I want to do? He said, yes. And then tears welled up in her eyes and she said this, I think I'll go with you. The world cringes at the thought of belonging to God. Oh, they don't know the joy and the privilege that they miss to belong to the sovereign God of the universe. And not just as God, but as our Father. As our Father. Well, God also deserves our worship because of his disposition toward us. In verse 5, the psalmist writes this, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generation. God deserves our worship because he is good to us. God's intentions and his motivations toward us are always good. The outcome of God's, pre, of God's preordained plan for us is good. It's good. Paul said this in Romans 8, 28, For we know that for those who love God, that's us, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Because you are in Christ, all things are being worked out by God for your good. The pleasant things, the painful things, the things that advance us, the things that 
set us back. God is working in all things for our eternal good. Not only does God deserve, deserve our worship because he's good to us, but also because of his steadfast love for us. Steadfast love, a love that is firm, cannot be moved, will not be changed, cannot be altered. It is as it always has been and as it always will be. It is steadfast. God's love for you does not change. And I want you to understand that there is nothing in this universe that can separate us. If you are in Christ, there is nothing in this universe that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not Satan or his minions. No future event or circumstance. Nothing in the physical or spiritual dimensions. No natural or supernatural power. Nothing in the whole of creation. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul said, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't care how bad you mess up. He is not going to stop loving you. I don't care how bad you blow it. He is not, his love is not going to be diminished one bit for you. It is steadfast. And then finally, God deserves our love because of his unfailing faithfulness. God has promised to everyone who comes to him, everyone, that he will never cast them out. That's an unconditional promise. No matter what, he will never cast us out. And the fulfillment of this promise, thank goodness, thank the Lord, it is not dependent upon us. The fulfillment of this promise is dependent upon God and his faithfulness. God has promised us eternal life. God has promised us a resurrected, glorified body. God has promised us an eternal dwelling place in that resurrected, glorified body, in the city of God, in the presence of God with all the saints of all the ages and all the angels. God has promised us that. And we can depend on him keeping his promises. God is faithful. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we pray that our worship of you would always be true, it would always be pure, that it would always conform to your will. Impress that upon our minds and upon our hearts, that we were made to worship you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. 
For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org. Thank you.